MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. And he only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? <sighs> I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid. His weird story. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. it nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin, right? So you're blaming the drunkard. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunkard, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Good evening, everybody. So, um, no live show tonight. I'm, I'm tossing some more best of at you tonight. Um, just some stuff from back in 2013. Uh, I think I grabbed what, like, distinctly American beer styles. Um, stuff about different drinking glasses, growlers, stuff like that. Um, stuff that, if, if you're a newer listener, you definitely haven't heard because it's it's probably it's about a couple years old at this point um but ugh, today i i'm i'm just in no particular headspace to uh do a live show um you i mean you guys know the eh, shit that i go through in my head so uh i i i basically knew i would not be able to provide a properly entertaining show uh tonight and um if yeah it that that that's basically how that goes i mean it, it, it it's it's been more more xanax than uh than drinking lately that gives you an idea and really i don't like to mix my benzos and my booze because that is really not a good time so um i'll see if i'm back next week hopefully um i i don't know um uh, depends depends where my head goes really um we'll see uh what's going on with abv uh going forward so with that uh enjoy some of this best of from back in early 2013 you're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio i will go into the distinctly american originated beers um Firstly, there is the American Pale Ale. Um, it's a relatively newer beer. Oh, wait. Okay, yeah, Dennis. It's um, Left Hand Brewing. Um, I think it's just Left Hand Brewing Milk Stout. I believe that's it. If if you look on um, if you look on Untapped or Beer Advocate or something like that, um, look up Left Hand Brewing uh, Milk Stout, and that that should uh, bring it up. Um. 
I think it's a pretty nondescript name, but that should work for it. Um, so the American Pale Ale, um, it's a relatively new brewing style. Um, it was actually developed back in 1980, so it's, let me do my math here, like 33 years old. In the grand scheme of things, um, that's actually pretty new. Um, Sierra Nevada Brewing, oh, okay, yeah, Dennis has a picture of it in the chat room, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, their, uh, logo's a red hand, a red left hand, and it's a cow with, uh, instead of spots on it, it has, um, like, left hands on it in uh in black um that was i think that was actually the first milk stout i ever tried and i liked it and that kind of got me into the milk stouts um so yeah if if mother's milk didn't do it for you try try the left hand one i i think that one's a little bit more mild than um than mother's milk both of them to me are pretty good though um so okay see it being three beers deep right now, I'm tangents all over the place. You'll just have to bear with me. Um, so American Pale Ale, new, developed in 1980, Sierra Nevada Brewing, um, New Albion Brewing, and Yakima Brewing kind of followed up with that. They started doing their own American Pale Ales once Sierra Nevada did it. They're usually about uh, around five percent alcohol by volume. So, um. A little bit more than your average, like, light beer, for instance. Um, the thing that makes it unique um, when you, you know, pair it against, like, a, a India Pale Ale or any other kind of pale ale, um, they distinctly use American hops. So it gives it that different taste. It's close to an IPA, but they're not as hoppy, which means I've found more American uh, American pale ales that I've actually liked versus the um, IPAs. I'm trying to get my taste buds kind of moving a little bit more, kind of develop things a little bit more. Because um, I know it, there are so many breweries out there doing IPAs now. And it, depending on the level of hop, I, I, basically I pretty much just got to make myself like hops more. And I don't know, you know, I might, I might do it eventually. My taste buds have changed as I've gotten older. I'm 30, 33 right now. Uh, who knows, by the time I'm 40, an IPA might be my favorite kind of beer. Um, the style is a little bit closer to amber ales, but it's not quite as dark or malty. Um, because, again, it's still a pale ale, so it has the hops as that main element right there. Um, an example I've had and liked was the, um, I'm going to fuck up on the pronunciation of this, the Waluai Wheat from uh, Kona Brewing Company. And uh, let me see if I can bring up the link in the chat room. I actually reconfigured my desk a little bit, so I'm not getting everything fucked up here. Um, it's the same brewing company as the um, coconut beer that I had last week. Um I've tried a few different things from them. They're they're a pretty decent brewing company. Um, it's got a nice kind of citrusy sweetness from passion fruit in it, but it's not overly hoppy. It's like not too aggressive with it, and that's probably why it it works for me better. Um, if you, if you're not a fan of regular like IPAs, something like that might work because of the sweetness, the passion fruit. Um, 
it's almost, almost, almost on the verge of a fruit beer, but not quite there yet. Um, and then there, uh, on Beer Advocate, there are the most popular, according to their site at least, the most popular American Pale Ales. And let me post that in the chat room for you. Um, looking at even just the top ten, I couldn't necessarily tell you if I have ever even seen any of these in store. Um, some of them might be kind of regional. Um, it, it it all depends. Um, like I know, for instance, I see um, Three Floyds Brewing, brewing on there uh, at number seven. I believe I've had something from that brewery before, um, but the others on here, uh, Hill Farmstead, actually Hill, Hill Farmstead is like, let's see, one, two, three, at least three in the, yeah, three in the top ten right there. Three Floyds is actually, uh, they have a number one on there, they have the number seven, um, but it, it it's, it, this is all gauged on beer advocate ratings too, so you can kind of take that with a grain of salt. I've had beers from that site that are top, top, top rated. Uh, and I'm not even talking about pale ales. I'm talking, you know, stouts, porters, stuff like that, uh, that I've had. And I'm, I don't understand the big deal about them. Uh, the nice thing about Beer Advocate, at least, is that they have two different ratings on there. One is based on the site itself. I guess, like, the staff of the site, they'll rate the beer and then they'll rate um, based on the user. So if if you go onto any um, any beer page, um, like I, I clicked on Zombie Dust right now, the top uh, American Pale Ale, um, that has a beer advocate score, and then it has a score for the Bros, which is basically the um, the users submitting their own reviews. I don't know necessarily how they tabulate it because I'm seeing user reviews on here, but it's listed as not available for that particular number. So I don't know how they necessarily work with that. Um, okay. So that is the American Pale Ale. The next one I came up with was the Amber Ale. Um, it's amber because that's the color it produces. It's uh, the crystal malt creates an amber color in the brew. Um Obviously, you're usually you're not going to see it in the bottle. If you pour it into a glass, you're going to see all these colors. Um, malt is added to the pale ale base, so it has some similarities with an American pale ale. Um, American hops is used just like the American pale ale, but the amount varies, and the amber ales aren't particularly hoppy as a result, which is nice. Um an example that I have had and actually liked, it was uh, from Rogue. And for any of you that have watched um, Deadliest Catch on Discovery Channel, you'll recognize the guy on the bottle. It's uh, Captain Sig from... Uh, what the hell is the name of his ship? The, uh, the Northwestern on Deadliest Catch. Uh, it's Captain Sig's Northwestern Ale. Um... I I like this one. Um, it had like some of the sweetness, some of the little bit of citrusy kind of thing going on. Um, but it, it was just basically I bought it because I saw a Sig on there, and I I'm a fan of Deadliest Catch, and I figured what the hell I'm gonna buy this beer. 
Um, so that one's pretty good. Another one that I um, remembered getting, and this one um, I actually got more recently because it was an Oktoberfest brew. I'll post this in the chat room for, I think, <laughs> basically I think Dennis is probably the only one in there. Um, this was Hex from Magic Hat Brewing Company. Um, if you look at the link um, on Beer Advocate for this one, this is one of those that the Beer Advocate score is actually significantly lower than the bros. Um, uh, they, depending on where the numbers are at, like the um, Beer Advocate score is a 79, which is average. For the bros, it's a 90, which is exceptional. Um, but this is an Oktoberfest beer. It's an American Amber, you know, red ale. And um, it, it's weird. I, I've i been kind of hit or miss with Oktoberfest beers. But this one, remi- this is going to sound really bizarre. It reminded me of a good tea. It had some of that, I don't know, that, that quality that when you're drinking a really nice cup of tea, it had some of that herbal flavor to it. And it's kind of funny considering that like the, the notes on it on Beer Advocate, Advocate um, it says uh, hints of toffee and caramel, a slightly smoky finish. But w- what I remember is that, that tea sense for it. I used to actually kind of log some of these on a spreadsheet just so I'd know which ones I liked, which ones I didn't. Um, and then the top-rated American Amber Beers and Red Ales on... Ooh, okay. I see uh, Ovi is in the chat. Thank you. At least I know... At least I know some people are here. Um, the top-rated American... I'm sorry. Top-rated Amber Ales on Beer Advocate. Again, um, a lot of these might be very regional. Haven't seen them. Um, there are a few more familiar names in here. Um, I know a lot of the stuff that I drink, it may end up being very, very East Coast. Um, but then again, like Rogue is based out of Oregon. So it, it all depends uh, how, how well your local liquor store will stock the stuff. And just where you are. Uh, but for instance, the number one on there is uh, Trogues Nugget Nectar. Now, I don't know how widespread Trogues is because, again, it's uh, based in Pennsylvania. Me being in New Jersey, I see Trogues all the time out here. Um, I don't believe I've ever had that one, which now seeing the score on it makes me kind of want to check it out. Um, some other breweries um, on there that I recognize uh, Lagunitas. Uh, is at number eight with their Imperial Red Ale. And I'm actually going to, um, I have a news story about Lagunitas that um, I'm going to bring up a little bit later. Um, has to do with them and uh, apparently another big, big, big brewery trying to buy them. But anyway, let me close out some tabs here. And Okay. So the next one, I had never actually heard of this type of beer before. Um, it's it's a little bit... Oh, jeez. Y- yeah, Dennis, I know if I did live Puppy Bowl updates, the chat room would be hopping, but I, I'll... You know what, Dennis? I'll let you do the live Puppy Bowl updates, and you can, you know, just, you know, let let, let all of us know, and then I'll, I'll broadcast the live Puppy Bowl updates. Um, 
Anyway, um, this next one, I had never heard of it. It's called Steam Beer. Uh, Modern-wise, it's now called California Common Beer. And the reason for that, there were actually like two eras of this beer. Um, Historic Steam Beer, it was produced in uh, pretty much specifically in California back in the mid-19th century through the mid-20th century. And it evolved into California common beer. Um, Historic steam beer, it was brewed with a lager yeast, no refrigeration, and literary references of the time, actually, they were not really praising it at all. It was pretty much seen as a cheap and shitty quality beer. Um, I guess you could say maybe it was like the, you know, Milwaukee's Best or the Keystone or whatever of its time. Um, now, modern California common beer, which was originated by Anchor Brewing Company, they don't even claim close similarities between the present-day product and the turn-of-the-century steam beer, but there was, there's an evolution there for it. Um, oh, we have a puppy bowl update. Puppies are adorable. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> back to the steam beer. Um... I I had to do more research on this one just because again I had I had no idea I had never heard of this type of beer. Um, according to Wikipedia, explanations of the word steam are all speculative. The carbon dioxide pressure produced by the process was very high, and one possibility is that it was necessary to let off steam before attempting to dispense the beer. Uh, according to Anchor Brewing, the name Steam came from the fact that the brewery had no way to effectively chill the boiling wort using traditional means, so they pumped the hot wort up to large, shallow, open-top bins on the roof of the brewery so that it would be rapidly chilled by the cool air blowing in off the Pacific Ocean. So they were using some form of refrigeration there. Uh, they were just trying to use natural refrigeration. Um... While brewing, the brewery had a distinct cloud of steam around the roof, let off by the wort as it cooled, hence the name. It's also possible the name derives from Dampfbier, literally steam beer, a traditional German beer that was also fermented at unusually high temperatures and that may have been known to 19th century American brewers, many of whom were of German descent. So it may have actually kind of evolved from German beers, too. Um... It's brewed with, um, again, it's brewed with American hops, but this is Northern Brewer hops. Uh, it's a specific kind of hops that's more known for woody, rustic, and minty qualities. Um, and they're used in a pretty high strength, so steam beers, I would gather, tend to be pretty hoppy. Um, probably not my kind of thing. Um, I've never had a steam beer, California Common Beer, whatever. Um, I can't even testify as to one that would work with my palate. Um, I want to say I've seen Anchor Steam Beer in stores before, but it uh, doesn't necessarily mean anything. But um, Beer Advocate does have a whole list of them. Um, let's see here. And looking at, obviously, Anchor Steam Beer is the number one. Um, if you look at some of the other breweries, uh, stuff that I recognize, uh, Lagunitas... Victory Brewing Company, um, Shorts Brewing Company, uh, Lucky... Wait, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm thinking of left hand. Um, 
Yeah, a lot a lot of the brewing companies here that do the California common beer, I don't even recognize. So it seems to be a very, very specialized kind of brew. Um, one that I am not familiar with at all. Um, okay, let me see. I need a drink here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then the next one that I found was the cream ale. Um, it's related to the pale lager. And I think I mentioned last week when I was going through one of those, um, one of those images that kind of had the, the mapping out of all the different kind of beers. It wasn't the periodic table, but it was uh, the other one that had just everything branching out either from ales or lagers. And I think I mentioned how it was puzzling that a cream ale can fall into the, the lager category. Um, but uh, it will make sense in a second. Um, hop and malt, they're more subdued in these brews, so they're kind of they're lighter, more refreshing kind of beers. Um, they're top fermented, but they undergo an extended period of cold conditioning and lagering. So that's why they have that similarity with the lager, even though they're an ale. Um, so it when it's lagering, it means it's uh, fermented at lower temperatures and you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, a recent one that I had, and I actually had this, I think maybe even as early as last week. Um, okay, I see Kitty in the chat says, not a big Anchor Steam fan, but her husband loves it. Um, so I'm going to have to definitely try that one out, just, just in the uh, interest of research for that. Um so I, I can definitely understand why it would be available since Kitty's in California, too. So I'll have to see if I can find it out here. But um, one of the uh, the cream ales that I've had recently, and I didn't even realize this was a cream ale until I kind of looked it up, uh, it is Derailed Black Cherry Ale from Erie Brewing Company. Um, it It's a really... It, there's a nice tart flavor to it. If you like, um, if you like fruit beers... This one's pretty close to it without being too overpowering. Um, there are some like cherry-based beers I've had before that end up tasting like cough syrup at the end. This one doesn't. Um, it's not hoppy at all. It's nice and light and refreshing and all that. Um, but there's a nice, nice, nice tart bite to it. Um, in fact, I think I even, um, I think I mentioned on, I, I, I posted. Yeah, I think I logged it in on Untapped on Twitter, and the brewing company actually uh, like tweeted back at me for it. Uh, e- either that's the sign that they're really keeping an eye on their Twitter account, or I'm just an alcoholic. It's one or the other. Um, Dennis in the chat says, since Kitty's Mexican short of tequila, her alcohol opinions don't count. Well, you know, tequila's still good. You know, if you're you know looking to just get really, really fucked up really quick... Um, that I'll I'll go on a tangent here. I'll I'll talk about uh, oh and I'll uh, yeah I'll I'll do that, Dennis. Um, I'll go on a tangent about tequila a little bit later, maybe. Um, I will elaborate on what I mean by hoppy. Um, I know I mentioned it last week. Uh, when a beer is overly hoppy, uh, it pretty much has kind of a. Uh, it's 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 like a grassy, p- 
piney kind of more natural taste um you you might get like i said you know grassy you might get kind of that floral to me a lot of really hoppy beers come across like potpourri that's not necessarily the most flattering way to describe it but that's just the way it comes across to me i know a lot of people like the hoppy beers a lot of people don't but it it really comes across like uh, it, it, it it's a very very nature based kind of earthy earthy taste that that's probably the best description it's a very earthy taste very earthy scent and uh, that's not for everybody but there have been some beers I've had where it actually integrates pretty well into it um it all I think it all depends on what kind of malts they're using um if they're using the right malt with those hops and the aggressiveness of the hops it pairs together pretty well sometimes though the that that hoppy flavor will just overwhelm and you'll honestly feel like you're tasting something that like you know if you took a a bowl of potpourri and you know you brewed it as a tea um like Dennis says, uh, he's not a fan of earthy when it comes to beers. Why not? On the other hand, yeah, and I can definitely see that. It, like when I, when I have when I have wines every so often, I used to drink wines a lot more, but not as much recently. Um, that earthy taste it, it works better, I think, with when it comes to grapes. Um, but that said, if you look at like say um, say a fruit beer, that hoppiness can work a lot better with that fruit. Um, that's what I found. The hoppiness doesn't bother me as much. Like when I was mentioning with, um, the, uh, that Sam Adams, was it the Sam Adams? I'm sorry. No, no, no. The, um, the, uh, Wallowai wheat from, uh, Kona Brewing, uh, that American pale ale. It wasn't overly hoppy, but it, the passion fruit, it worked with the hops there. Um, uh, again, it's a lot of it. It's all a matter of finding your flavors. Um, so, like some people, absolutely love that hoppiness. Me, when I open up a beer and I smell that, I almost kind of cringe because I'm not quite sure about it. Um, I mean, right now I'm drinking the Double Agent IPL, and it's not bad. It's not something I drink all the time because of the hoppiness, but it's not bad. It's it's better, I'd say, it's not that I tolerate it, but it's not that I enjoy it either. I mean, it's kind of in between that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, that's better. Um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, I was on cream ales. Uh, i trying to remember what the hell I posted. Oh, okay, yeah. Um the most popular cream ales according to beer advocate post that in the chat room um again it's it's a lot of it's a lot of what i'm guessing are more regional breweries um there's one that i reckon in in fact it's the number one that i recognize uh six point brewing um i know i've had something from them before but hell if i can remember what it is um oh okay you know what the number one here, I've seen it before, haven't had it before. And um, it's interesting because anytime I have seen it, it's been in a can. Um, that's one interesting thing about like the craft beers. You don't see them in cans all that much. 
I'm not 100% sure why that is. I, I should actually probably look into that. Um, but this one, the picture on the page, in fact, I will, even though it's on, it's linked on the other one, I'll uh, post in the chat room. Um, it's the sweet action from uh, Six Point. Really, really highly rated by the bros on uh, Beer Advocate. Um, let's see. Let me just look at one of the reviews. I'll, I'll look at I'll look at the first review that comes up by John Fatass. That's a pretty endearing name right there. Um, smells fantastic, sweet, hoppy, and fruity. The taste is sweet and fruity, perhaps a peach or apricot flavor. Then the hops hit you. Um, just enough bitterness to offset the initial sweetness. So that it seems like that one has a nice balance to it. Um, I don't know. Maybe next time I'm at the store, I'll I'll check that out uh, in terms of a cream ale. It's sweet action from Six Point Brewing. So there is that. Uh, there are also some other styles that aren't American in origin, but they have their own American variations. Um, one of them, let's see, um, well, okay, you have, you have your IPA, uh, there, there are American variations on the IPA. You could almost argue that the American Pale Ale is its own variation on it, um, but there are, there are so many American breweries that do IPAs, so it it is kind of separate. Um, there's a brown ale, which, um, I actually had an American brown ale a little bit earlier today, um. Americans do their own variations on the stouts. Um, Belgian beer styles such as wheat beer, Saison, uh, double, triple, and Belgian strong ale. Um, I'm not really going to go into depth on those because uh, I'm thinking that next week I am probably going to cover Belgian beers because, I don't know, you know, it's something to do. Um, and then there's barley wine. I didn't mention barley wine at all last week, and... I'm surprised that I didn't because it's one of those that I actually found myself really liking initially. Um, I think it was because I was making that transition from wine into beer. So I wanted that fruity sweetness. There's it's it, there's a weird thing about barley wine styles. They're American and English varieties. The American is more hoppy and bitter. Um, so obviously I'm not as big into the American variety. I prefer the English variety. But um, it typically has a pretty good kick to it in terms of alcohol strength. It ranges anywhere between 8 to 12 in um, alcohol by volume. And um, it's called barley wine because it can be as strong as wine, but it's made from grain instead of fruit, so it's classified as a beer. There, I was reading there are all sorts of um, conflicts over this in certain bars. Um, I, I think I was reading that English bars, some of them will restrict how many of them you can have because of the high alcohol content. Um, some bars won't even serve them um, because it's more classified as, like, it depending, it's more classified as a wine, um, almost gets it... it A lot of it has to do with the alcohol content, not necessarily the brewing process itself. Um, But the name is, it confuses a lot of people. Um, The only American barley wine that I can remember having is from uh, Mendocino. It's the Imperial Barley Wine Ale. 
and oh geez, I almost posted that into my address bar. That would have been fun as I left the chat. Um, I wasn't really all that thrilled with it. I think if I remember correctly, I, I had it as part of a uh, make a six pack and um, it, I don't know, it, it was too bitter for me. So there was like too much of the hoppiness going on. Um, like I said, I, I prefer the English style barley wines. Um, one of them that I think I had this somewhat recently. Um, it was, and this is a great name. It's, um, horn dog from flying dog brewery. I have a feeling, um, and I'm posting that in the chat. This is one I have a feeling, um, people are not necessarily going to find outside of the East coast, but I could be wrong. Um, because if I remember correctly, Flying Dog Brewery is uh, based out of Jersey. So I'm not quite sure the reach that they have. Um, but that that was a, it was, it was a pretty good one. Um, has a good, good kick to it. I think it's a, yeah, it's a 10.2. Wait, I'm sorry. Not, Flying Dog's based out of Maryland, not Jersey. You know, I'm thinking about another, I think it's another dog-based brewery. But um, in any case, East Coast still, so I'm not sure where where it ranges off to. But it's a 10.2 alcohol by volume. Um, a lot of different flavors to it. You get like kind of like hints of chocolate, cherry, orange, you know, stuff like that. Um, barley wines tend to do that, where they'll they'll really have a good mixture of um, the fruit flavors going. Um, another good barley wine. Um, this is out of a brewery uh, in Pennsylvania. I fucking love these guys. I've um, um, I've had some of their stuff on tap at one of the beer festivals I went to. Um, this one, it's called Insanity. It's from Weyerbacher Brewery. Oh, thank you, Dennis, for posting that picture in the chat of Horn Dog. Um, this one, Insanity from Weyerbacher Brewery. Uh, it's a bourbon barrel aged English style barley wine. Um, it's weird. The, the, the Weyerbacher insanity. Um, I remember it having, um, a nice breadiness to it. And if some of you remember from last week, I was mentioning how, um, toasted malts will give that bready biscuit like flavor. And this is going to sound weird, but it, it reminded me of buttered toast. And I know that may not sound necessarily good in your beer, but it, it, I don't know, it, it, it's probably the best English barley wine I've had. Uh, it's 11.1 alcohol by volume, so it, this is one that'll knock you on your ass. Um, scores on Beer Advocate are great for this one. Um, and let me see here. Yeah, in, in fact, um, the, in fact, the person that was, um, uh, manning the tap, well, uh, manning, speci- not specifically, uh, the tap at the beer festival I was at. Uh, she's on Twitter, um, and I'm trying to remember her name. I think it's uh, Wire, at Weyerbacher Nat. Um, Weyerbacher is W-E-Y-E-R-B-A-C-H-E-R. Um, and she's, she's pretty cool. She's always talking about um, you know, some of the new brews they got coming out, but it Weyerbacher is a fantastic brewery. And, um, again, they're based out of Pennsylvania, so if you can find them uh, more in the Midwest or in the, on the West Coast, try some of their stuff. Um, I'm trying to remember some of their other beers. They have, like, um, great names for them. Mary Monks 
blithering idiot, um, stuff like that. Um, there have been some of their beers that I have been iffy with, but overall, it's been really, really good stuff. I see Dennis posted in the chat a picture of Insanity poured into a glass. Um, it makes me want to actually pick up some of that. Um, maybe tomorrow, hell, maybe after the show, if I can uh, stumble over to the local liquor store. Um, let's see here. Okay. So, um, the funny thing is, despite all these really distinctive styles that are purely American in origin, um, and then the ones that are not necessarily American in origin, but have their own twist on it, the best selling style of beer in the U S is a pale lager. What, you know, what, is a pale lager for those Budweiser Miller, you know, all those ones. Um, and it's especially light beers. Um, so you got your like low carb, low calories, all that. Obviously in this country, you know, it, it's not surprising that, you know, that would be so popular. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. I was going through, um, looking for like kind of different beer glasses and stuff. You, you see, you know, kind of sometimes you see different ones at the bars depending on what kind of beer you get. Uh and the only ones I've ever really had at home um I've had some I, some larger I'm not even I can't even remember what kind these works. I, I don't know where they are right now. But I I won them from some raffle thing. They were like tall blue moon glasses. But for the most part, I've had those regular pint glasses and, you know, just the regular ones you normally see in a bar. And that was it. In fact, I only have, I think, like one or two of them left because, unfortunately, I had a um, I had a Trogues one from a uh, live event that Trogues did at a bar out here. And unfortunately, when my wife was doing some stuff in the cabinets, it came tumbling out, smash, and gone. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a glass, no big deal. Um, it's pretty much the same principle behind different wine glasses, which I know it comes across as kind of snobby, where, you know, you have your red wine in a certain glass, you have your white wine in a certain glass, but then you have your dry white wine in this certain glass, shit like that, it... There is a purpose to it, though. And um, what it kind of comes down to, at least with beer, what it comes down to, depending on the glass, it enhances aromas, it'll build a good head, it'll optimize other flavors, um, it can control the temperature fluctuations in the beer. Like, depending on how you hold the glass, it can transfer the heat of your hand into the beer, things like that. So there were a few different kinds that I came across. The first one is the one I mentioned before, the one that my wife broke, unfortunately, and it's called a shaker pint. This is your general pint. You're going to find it any any place, well, mo- most places that you're going to get beer out, you know, at a bar or whatever. This is the, the pint that you're going to find. It's called a shaker pint because it's also used to mix cocktails. You get the metal shaker, you get the, you know, glass and, you know, shake back and forth. That, you know, that's why it's a shaker pint. And it, there's really no other function in it than just drinking the beer. It, it's it's a utilitarian kind of thing. Um, doesn't give added aroma. 
doesn't give added flavor. There's really no significant, you know, aesthetic benefit of it apart from not being like a plastic solo cup. Um, I, I remember the days drinking beer out of those, and, and the the beer would get warm too quick. It just, I don't know. It's good for beer pong, and that's about it. Um, but the shaker pint, it's good for for most of your more basic brews. You get your amber ales, American lagers, box pale ale. You don't want to normally don't want to drink like um, more of like a high alcohol brew in there. Something that's more exotic with a lot of different elements and more complexity. You're not going to get the most out of them in that glass. So that's the shaker pint. Again, it, that is your regular run-of-the-mill pint glass. Um, nothing big with that. This one, this next one, um, I actually want to get this because it's good for stouts. Um, it's called the Nonic Pint. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. N-O-N-I-C-K. It's similar in shape to the shaker, but there's actually, it, there's like a bump-out kind of um, near the top. Uh, descriptions I saw, like they were saying, it's like a protruding ring near the top. But it's basically, if, if imagine if you're going up from the bottom of a shaker pint and you keep going up straight, you know, kind of at that taper. And then just before the top, you get a little bump out back in and then up to the, the mouth of the glass. That's kind of what the nonic pint looks like. Supposedly, it gets better head out of the beer, which is good for something like a stout. Um, you get more aroma, you get better taste. Dennis posted a picture in the chat of the nonic pint there, and you kind of see how it has that, that bump in the middle, and it's got that good head of foam on it. So, um, it's good for a lot of like the English and American styles, like IPAs. And Dennis actually just also posted the, uh, the shaker pint, so you get an idea of that in the chat if you are in the chat at morelikeradio.com slash live. Uh, also, um, it's uh, the nonic pint's good for IPAs that are under eight percent alcohol, English bitters, porters, brown ales, pilsners, and stouts. The next one up is the stemmed tulip. This almost looks a little bit more decorative. Y- you might think it's a little bit too fancy, but it has that dramatic inward taper to the glass. Uh, in fact, the one the one um, the one brand you'll probably see packaged with it most. It, from what I've seen, like the gift packs where you get a big bottle of beer and you get a glass, is uh, Duvel. I see Duvel glasses like this a lot. Uh, what it's supposed to do is concentrate the head of the beer in a more narrow opening, and it has a flared rim at the edge. And you know, again, it's it's concentrating those aromas, and it's good for beers with um, higher levels of carbonation because the bubbles tend to rest in the curve at the bottom. Dennis in the chat says, if by fancy you mean of questionable sexual preference. Yeah. I don't know. I think I I may have seen Dutch drinking from one of those. I'm not sure. So, yeah, makes sense. It's good for a lot of your Belgian beers, the Saisons, Belgian ales, doubles, then your Imperial IPAs, Scotch ales, uh, stuff like that. And, you know, this one, this next one is uh, probably even more fancy. Uh, Maybe if you're if you're drinking brandy, it's not as fancy. I don't know. Then again, no, it's probably still pretty gay in itself right there. Um, it's the snifter. 
again, most times you think of about a snifter, you think of a brandy snifter, someone, you know, swishing the brandy around in a glass. Um, I should really add a camera element to this show because I'm still, I'm stupid me. I, I know how to do radio. I'm pantomiming everything. Um, the snifters, usually they're reserved for the um, higher alcohol brews. And there's a weird reason for it. It's because they hold less, so it paces the rate of consumption. And holding it from the bottom, like um, Dennis posted a picture of it in the chat. If you hold it from the bottom of like the bowl shape, like the rounded shape of it, supposedly it imparts those temperature changes into the beer, which can change the flavors of the beer depending on what you're drinking. It can change it to its benefit. Um, in heavier beers, this is kind of a good thing to do. So using your own body temperature to kind of change the composition of the beer. Uh, like I said, it's good for higher alcohol brews, uh, good for beers above 8% alcohol. You got your Imperial Stout, Scotch Ales, Barley Wines. Uh, actually, just realized I have a Barley Wine up in the fridge right now. Uh, strong Ales, Belgian Dark Ales, Triples, Quadruples, Barrel Aged Brews, Belgian Sours. And if I have time today, I'm actually going to kind of delve into a little bit with Sours because I had a it was either a six-pack or a four-pack last week of a Belgian sour. That was fucking amazing. Um, then, it it's, it's keeps getting more and more, I don't know, more and more um, Dutch-sounding, I guess. The either Belgian chalice or goblet. So, yeah, it, it almost, when you, when you have to use the names of the damn thing, it sounds pretentious, doesn't it? But... Depending on who manufactures this one, um, it the shape tends to vary a little bit. Ultimately, um, it's got a wide opening. It, it's got a round kind of oval body. Dennis posted a picture in the chat. Thank you again. Uh, this one's from uh, West Mile. Uh, it's a Trappist ale. And um, I think I actually had West Mile a couple weeks ago, in fact. But suppose with this one, this, you hold it by the stem. So, of course, you know... It, pop out a pinky or something like that, make yourself extra, extra fancy. Uh, that prevents the heat from transferring to the glass from your hand. So it's it's got kind of a similar shape to the snifter, but the functionality is different with it. So you don't want that heat transferring from the hand in a more yeasty Belgian beer. It's good for the Belgian wheat beers, the triples, the farmhouse ales, the doubles, the Belgian IPAs. And... Dennis hit this right on the head. It only sounds pretentious because beer has this stigma of being a poor man's drink. Exactly. And if you look at some of the beer prices out there now, it's not a poor man's drink. And he said historically not accurate. And that's that's true. There there were there were those those beers that were, you know, um I know I know I mentioned one one week and I'm completely blanking on which type it was um it was it was the porter uh that it was you know given to like the you know the fishermen and everything coming off the boats and it was perfect for them because it was a cheap beer but they could get drunk off of it and everything and everybody was happy with it and yeah that's a poor man's you know poor man's drink there but you go through all the different styles and everything all the history of it and everything it there there's so much more to it um 
yeah, I'm derailing myself. It, there, there's there's more to it. It's it's not just it's you see you know Norm on Cheers, you see um, Barney on The Simpsons, and you think oh beer drinker, so you know just you know poor man slob, and it it's it's not that way. If you want you want to look at. Uh, you want to look at a good side of drinking. Look at you know. Look at like Oktoberfest uh, pictures with uh, the lovely, lovely blondes. You know, drinking their beers, which, uh, which actually, that that in fact leads. Wow. Now see, this is a segue that leads into the next glass, which is a Stein. This is what they use at Oktoberfest, and um, the the. Stein that I have picked out for this one, at least for the viewers in the chat, um, you'll kind of understand why the segue works. Um, but it's like a large, it's a large volume. Uh, and you guys know what you know what a beer Stein looks like. It's a huge mug for the most part. Dennis just posted in the chat. It's you know basically a pair of tits from uh, one of the the beer wenches, which I believe it was it. They're they're the technical they're a Durndel, I think. I don't know. I don't know my German. Um, but they're large volume glasses, so it's, <laughs> Dennis says he needs to Photoshop the head of Danielle from the Sully show, which is on from uh, 12 to 2 on Sundays, on the top of that mug. I fully endorse that. I, I, I think that needs to be done. Um, cross promotion is great. Uh, in these, it's a large volume that goes into these, in these, uh, basically mugs, you can say. So low alcohol beers tend to be best for them because you can pace yourself. You're not gonna you know drink one of these and then be just you know all sloppy and you know fucking some random chick in Jersey in a stairwell because you know who wants that? Um, they're extra sturdy. So obviously, if you do drink a lot, you get clumsy. You drop it. It's not gonna shatter all over the damn place. You know they're nice and dense. And they got that external handle that help keep the beer chilled. You know, doesn't transfer the heat from your hand into the glass. Obviously, it's good for German beers like the Schwarz beer, the Box Pilsners, Hefeweizens, fruit beers. And then it's also good for lower alcohol American and English style brews like uh, pale ales, blonde ales, amber ales, bitters, stuff like that. Um, there's actually... Uh, when when I was looking up different glasses, the um, where a lot of the links in the chat room came from, it's this one site, TrueBeer.com, and they have a lot they have a lot of different glasses for sale. You know, good for them, totally fine, nice selection. But um, they also had a craft brew um, glass sampler, so it had like six different pieces to it. It was like forty bucks. I'm like, I can't really can't really justify that. However, found another set. At Amazon.com, which actually happens to be a sponsor of More Like Radio. So uh, if you're on the More Like Radio webpage, uh, you could pick up this, but first click the uh, Amazon.com banner to purchase your. It's the Libby, L I B B E Y, Craft Brew Sampler Clear Beer Glass Six Piece Set. And I know it has, let's see. Um, You'll see it. it has like you know it has the the chalice it has the snifter you know sort they're a little bit different shapes um, it has you know the nonic pint um, 
and what's funny, it, looking, it, one of them looks kind of like a shaker pint, but it seems to taper in a little bit more. Um, there's like a Pilsner glass in there, things like that. But it, it's, you know, good for, um, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Wow. Read the description, Kev. Jesus Christ. It, the way it describes it as uh, classic Pilsner, English pub, Belgian ale, craft pub glass, porter slash stout, which I would assume that would be the tonic pint, and wheat beer. Um, and I know in the reviews for it, uh, like one, I think one one complaint was that, you know, I didn't know necessarily which one was for which, but I researched it and I found specifically, you know, which which glass goes with which beer. So uh, you, you do enough Googling, you're going to find the stuff. And I know um, if, of course, with Amazon, you're always going to find, you know, the customers who bought this also bought kind of stuff. Um, product ads from external websites, stuff like that. You, you're going to find all sorts of different glasses. There's another set, beer connoisseur gift set. Um, there's, a, there's a stout glass set, you know, four P. You're not going to have a, problem finding all these different kinds of glasses and not completely break the bank on getting them um the one the one bummer that i found with this set on amazon versus the one on truebeer.com the one on truebeer.com had a um the best way i can describe it it was it was a mug but it's it's the the glass that's molded to kind of look like a barrel i don't know why i think that's cool but for you know spending half the price i'm fine with that you know i saw on um on amazon people are saying they're durable and everything oh and yeah dennis just posted another one in the chat the beer connoisseur set so i mean depending on depending on what kind of price point you're looking for you're you're going to find these glasses and depending on what kind of beer you tend to drink you can you know kind of specifically go into what you want amazon's good like that and especially if you got amazon prime you know, get your free shipping. It, you're you're gonna be good. Um, what is this? One? I'm seeing <laughs> this. Th- this is there's an interesting one here. I'll I'll uh I'll save Dennis the work and I'll post this one in the chat because I don't want to have to describe it. It's a it's another one from Libby. It's a, a craft um four ounce sampler six piece. So it's six four ounce glasses, and um you know basically just sample your different beers and it's it's all uh kind of little mini mugs as it were um actually it it almost reminds me a little bit of um the uh the 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 mugs we got at the big brew beer festival although these ones are actually made of glass the ones at the brew fest were plastic which given the amount of people that were you know accidentally dropping them it kind of made sense um but again, you know, oh, see, now I'm just I'm like looking at all. Wow, damn it! Amazon is a time suck with stuff like this. You know how with uh, sites like Reddit, or you get on, um, you get stuck in a um, like a YouTube cycle where you watch one video, but then you see like the other videos in the sidebar stuff. Amazon's like this too, and with all these different beer glasses, it oh, it it's. This is damn crazy. And I'm like seeing... There's like another set here. It's a 25 piece. Has the glasses, but then it also comes with coasters, a bottle opener. It, it, so yeah, it, 
go go to Amazon.com, click the banner on morelikeradio.com before you go there. Um, you know, support our sponsor and, you know, let them know you came from us that way. But, uh, yeah, a- Amazon is awesome with that. So if you need, if you need different beer glasses, you are, God damn, you're going to find them there. Um, okay. So th- this is kind of a slightly aimless show. Not necessarily aimless. I mean, I got my show prep together and everything, but it's. Little, it's a little more random than previous weeks may have been. Um, I'll be, probably be more focused next week. This week was, like I said, work was bullshit. So, mm. um, if you have a local brewery in your vicinity, or even not in your vicinity, but you know within some kind of driving distance, if you go there, you want that ability to kind of get the fresh beer from them. If you're going all that way to the brewery, you don't want to get, you know, something that was bottled. Even even if it was only bottled a few weeks ago, you want to be able to get something that's as close to, you know, from, you know, their tap source as possible. And the way to get that is from what's called a growler. What it pretty much is, it's a large bottle or a jug and it carries that fresh beer from a brewery to your home. And it, I mean, it, it, most of the growlers I've, and you know, God, I'm getting all kerfluffled. Um, you can actually find growler style bottles sometimes in liquor stores. I know, um, there are at least one or two different rogue brews that will have, you know, that beer in a big growler style jug. Obviously, it's you know not as fresh as what you would get straight from the brewery, but the concept is there. But anyway, the the whole idea started more at least documented wise. It started back in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, where the fresh beer was carried from the brewery by a small like metal galvanized pail. When the beer sloshed around it made a rumbling sound as the CO2 escaped through the lid. And people caught that as kind of a growling noise, so it was called a growler. Makes sense, I guess. Before World War II, uh, kids in the city would actually bring these covered buckets of draft beer from a local bar or brewery to local workers at lunchtime or their parents at dinnertime and the practice was called rushing the growler, which honestly sounds more like something that would be appropriate for Lust and Love Radio, uh, Mondays, 10 to 12, more like radio. Um, in the 1950s and 60s, they kind of moved over from the, the metal buckets to waxed cardboard containers with lids to take home the beer. They were round, but otherwise kind of resembled those Chinese takeout containers. Um, me, I, I don't know. Given Chinese takeout containers, I can see stuff leaking out of that too much. Uh, they were big initially when liquor sales weren't allowed on Sundays at all. I know some states still have that ridiculous blue law in place. Um, if I remember correctly, I, I think was it is Minnesota trying to trying to change that? I, I remember seeing something. I, I think I remember Mitch talking about that. Uh, but when the liquor sales weren't allowed on Sunday, people could get these growlers from the local bars. 
the practice became minimized a lot more when Sunday sales became allowed in the places that aren't dominated by the blue laws. And then the addition of uh, bars were able to actually sell packaged beer after hours. Uh, little tangent here. I, I was always astounded by that when um, back back uh, before I had moved out to New Jersey when I was um, dating an ex who was going to school up at Penn State, uh, they would uh, go to a bar and get packaged beer. I honestly had never heard that concept before, but I wasn't much of a beer drinker at the time, so it still blew my mind. But anyway, um, in the early 80s, the growler kind of changed again. Um, a brewery in Albany, New York, Newman Brewing, they had soft plastic gallon containers of their beer. Um, I, I'd gather they were kind of like plastic jugs, almost like kind of like juice containers. Uh, if you brought back the empty, they'd fill it back up for you. I'm assuming at a discounted charge. Uh, let me take a sip here. And right now I'm drinking St. Peter's Cream Stout, which is actually really fucking good. Even got me another uh, badge on Untapped. I think I got the UK badge this time. Um, the modern day growler, kind of as we know it, that big, me- uh, big glass jug, that supposedly, as history says it, came from Otto Brothers Brewery. Uh, Charlie Otto and his father, they wanted to offer beer to go for their local customers. They didn't have the capability to bottle, so they were kind of, you know, stuck there. Um, Charlie Otto, well, his father suggested kind of going for the old growlers of his youth, which were pretty much the buckets, but they knew it needed an update. So what they did, they got a small silkscreen machine. They silkscreen logos on half-gallon bottles. Again, they, they looked like the moonshine jugs. So, you know, not much has changed with that. Uh, for the most part, nowadays, a growler, it's it's a jug that carries a half-gallon of beer. There are, of course, variations, you know, here and there. There are two-liter ones. They have clamped-down ceramic tops, metal handles, you know, so on and so forth. You know, it's not, it's not a... It's not a set kind of thing and um also you know i'm gonna jump in here with this if anybody's having a problem with more like radio site uh there might be some kind of uh dns issues here and there uh you know random internet talk because um dennis from more like radio uh western echo he's having problems on his end uh i know me and mitch are still in the chat okay so if you're having um, if you're having problems with morelikeradio.com, uh, try and refresh the site. If that doesn't work, you wait it out a little bit, see what happens. Uh, might be an issue with GoDaddy.com again. Uh, Dennis's internet connection uh, connection is fine, so it's it. Uh, I think it's probably a hosting thing again. Um. So anyway, uh, let's see. Okay, yeah, I was it, with the variations with the growlers. Like I said, it, you know, it, sometimes it depends on the brewery doing it, how they want to do it. It's filled straight from the tap, usually sealed with a twist cap. Sometimes they're labeled, sometimes not. Um, the prices will range between anywhere from four bucks to fifteen bucks. Deposit usually has to be paid, 
And if you bring back the washed growler, you get more at a discount. So, yeah, it's a decent deal. If you have a local brewery, you know, just down the road, why wouldn't you do this? You once you get the growler, refrigerate it. You must do this. Otherwise, you're you're going to kill your damn beer because it's only got a shelf life refrigerated of seven to ten days. And once you open the damn thing, you get maybe two or three days out of it. With me, that wouldn't be a problem. With other people, it might be a little bit iffy. I mean, I you know I can drink you know a you know half gallon of beer in one evening without a problem. That's fine. Other people, eh, maybe not. Um, most local breweries and brew pubs will sell these growlers. So if you have a local brewery, you have a local brew pub, check them out. It's the best way to get really really fresh beer. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. Alcohol by Cheers. volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey, it's the name of the show. Hey, more like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this. That shit nuts. Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness very unappealing. I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. You know, at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents <laughs> as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where are you going for here? We'll name check every country on the show, that way no one can be mad. How about that? I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah, cool. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> and to the Italians? Papa the Poopy. Papa the Poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans? The Amen. <laughs> uh, Spain? <laughs> uh, Singapore? Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Australians? Cockerel Doom Dark. No. You big loop, are you? No, that sounds That's like terrible. Limerick or something. <laughs> That's right, we never slag off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> oh, hello there. I didn't see you come in. This is Mitch, producer of Dutch and Royce. I just wanted to take a quick moment to remind you why we are better than you. I took the turkey baster and put it in the glass and sucked up as much pee as I could. I took the turkey baster, after lubricating it in my asshole, and put it up as far as I could in my asshole, and I was repeatedly thrusting it in and out while jacking off and screaming out a boy's name and moaning to make it feel like it was real. (laughs) I can't believe. I then... I then imagined my I then imagined in my head him screaming, I'm coming! And I squeezed the turkey baster ball, shooting all my pee into my ass. I kept taking to the I kept taking the turkey baster out and filling it with more pee and shooting it deep into my asshole, making it feel like it was a huge come. Listen to Dutch and Royce Live Tuesdays from 10 to midnight, only on morelikeradio.com. Hey, you. Yes, you guessed 10,542. 
change your username. And while you're in the More Like Radio live page listening to fine quality programming, notice the banner ad just slightly above the chat room. It's a link to something you want in Amazon. Click it. It's probably reminding you to order something you need from Amazon.com. Don't leave MLR and type the URL like a sucker. Just click the link and it'll open in a new window. This way you can buy your shit and continue listening to the show. Now, change your username. It's right there on the right, stupid. The official Alcohol by Volume YouTube channel. Find out what's destroying my liver every week. Ah! New beer reviews every Saturday morning. And occasionally some bonus reviews in the middle of the week, too. Hmm, your ideas are intriguing to me, and I wish to subscribe to your newsletter. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash MLR Alcohol by Volume. Come on, let's go drink till we can't feel feelings anymore. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. More like radio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. You're listening to Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. All right, who the hell are you and what were you doing in there? Yeah, speak up, though. Attempting the hell to communicate. Communicate? Communicate what? You have no right to be here. You heard the lady. Admiral, if we were to assume that these whales are ours to do with as we please, we would be as guilty as those who caused their extinction. Okay. I don't know what this is all about, but I want you guys out of here right now or I call the cops. I assure you that won't be necessary. We're only trying to help. The hell you were, Buster. Your friend was messing up my tanks and messing up my whales. They like you very much, but they are not the hell your whales. I, I suppose they've told you that, huh? The hell they did. Right. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. I'm uh, covering fruit beers today. I know a lot of people tend to think fruit beers are... <laughs> More of like a chick beer kind of thing. They might equate it to wine coolers, shit like that. Some of them, I don't know, some of them might kind of get in that direction. But most of them that I've had, it, it's not it's not in that territory. Um, I guess almost when you when you think fruit beer, you start thinking towards um, like the Smirnoff drinks where they got all the different fruit flavors, the pineapple, the, the black cherry, and all that shit. It, this is... Fruit beers are fucking different from that. It, it, it's a much better taste. So to get into the basics of it, if you remember during the week that I covered Belgian beers, Belgian brewers were doing the fruit beers. They're the ones that really you know kickstarted the whole thing. Uh, they're fruit lambics. I was talking about uh, like Lindemans, Framboise, and ugh, shit like that. God damn it, this beer is... Ugh, it... Ugh. I'll try not to belch into the mic today, but I make no promises. But with the, with the Belgian brewers, when they were doing the fruit beers, they were they were able to do it when others weren't because they were able to kind of experiment unhindered by, if you remember last week with the, what was that last week? Yeah, last week. With the German beers, they were un, un, un yeah, motherfucker, unhindered by the Reinheitsgebot, which was going on in Germany. That was the that Bavarian law that could, dictate what could go in beer and what couldn't and obviously they weren't able to put fruit in there the thing about fruit beers that i really like is that it's it's a nice kind of i guess like a gateway drug into beer for people that aren't sure if they'll like beer or not um especially craft beer and you take that dive in you find that right you know strawberry wheat or you know cherry wheat or whatever it is 
even you know even kicking in with like those Belgian fruit lambics, like I said, you get the right one. It's almost gonna taste like uh, like a tart fruit juice kind of thing going on with that beer kick to it, and it kind of gets him into that. I know a few weeks ago I mentioned this one group in the U.S. It's the Beer Judge Certification Program, the BJACP. They're a program that they they are self-described um, group that promote. Yeah, sorry, they are a self-described program that promotes beer literacy, beer appreciation, and beer tasting practices. They actually have a really really good section on fruit beer that explains fully what makes up the prime example of the style. Uh, pretty much what 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 a fruit beer should be. Um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this uh, from this and thank you Dennis for uh, posting that link in the chat. Um, they go through the aroma. They say the distinctive aromatics associated with a particular fruit should be noticeable in the aroma. However, note that some fruit, example raspberries, cherries, have stronger aromas, more distinctive than others, such as blueberries or ras or I'm sorry, uh, strawberries. Allow for a range of fruit character and intensity from subtle to aggressive. When you look at Again, the Sam Smith organic strawberry, I'd say that's a pretty aggressive one. Um, the fruit character should be pleasant and supportive, not artificial and inappropriately overpowering considering the character of the fruit, nor should it have defects such as oxidation. Uh, there's one I'm I'm going to mention uh, a little bit later that does have that kind of artificial sense to it. Um, y- you want it, y- if you're drinking a fruit beer, you don't want it to, you don't want it to taste fake. You don't want it to taste fake. Um, there, there's always that old joke about, like, you know, uh, cherry candy it doesn't taste even remotely like cherry. Um, grape candy doesn't even taste remotely like grape. It, It's that purple flavor. It's that red flavor. You know, it's shit like that. So it, you want it to have that natural flavor of the strawberry, of the raspberry, of the cherry, shit like that. Um... As with all specialty beers, a proper fruit beer should be a harmonious balance of the featured fruits with the underlying beer style. Basically saying that you don't want to overwhelm the basis of the beer with the fruit. If it's a wheat beer, make it a wheat beer with fruit. Don't make it a fruit beer with wheat, basically. Uh, Aroma hops, yeast byproducts, and malt components of the underlying beer may not be as noticeable when fruit are present... Uh, these components, especially hops, may be intentionally subdued to allow the fruit character to come through in the final presentation. If the base beer is an ale, then a non-specific fruitiness and or other fermentation byproducts, such as diacetyl, may be present as appropriate for warmer fermentations. I will completely admit to you that I have no idea what the fuck that means. Um, If the base beer is a lager, then overall less fermentation byproducts would be appropriate. Some malt aroma may be desirable, especially in dark styles. Uh, hop aroma may be absent or balanced with fruit, depending on the style. The fruit should add an extra complexity to the beer, but not be so prominent as to unbalance the resulting presentation. Like I said before, you, you want to the fruit isn't you don't want it to overwhelm the beer. You want it to have that balance with the beer. You don't necessarily want to be like you're completely drinking fruit juice with a slight kick. Um, I mean, I, 
this is in a little bit of a different realm, but I, you know, I've had the mixed drinks where they're mixed in such a way that you don't even know you're drinking alcohol. Of course, obviously that'll fuck you up quicker because you don't realize you're drinking. But with beer, you you want all those flavors interacting. Um, some tartness may be present if naturally occurring in the particular fruits, but should not be inappropriately intense. Um, I think that kind of uh, that's almost subject subjective because I fucking love the tartness. Um, I don't know the the more tart the fruit beer, the better for me. But that's just me. Um. Like a little bit of background with me. Um, when I was growing up, my my parents they had a garden in the backyard and everything. One of the things they grew was rhubarb. Rhubarb is one of those things that most often, if you see it, it's cut with strawberry because it's so tart. Me, my my mom would make straight up rhubarb pies. Would not cut it with strawberry. Um, there was a point where uh. It got too expensive after a while, but my, after I moved to Jersey, my mom would actually send me rhubarb pies for my birthday, and I would have um, either like at the time now, now my ex girlfriend she would you know try it, my current wife she would try it, and they would just say oh, it's too much, it's too tart. I think one of the I think that's kind of an acquired taste. That might be part of what set Dennis off with the organic strawberry ale too. I don't know if it, the tartness threw him off. I know like again like you said it was like kind of a cough syrup cough syrup-iness. But I fucking gravitate to the tartness. Ooh, Dennis says was the right and wrong way to make a rhubarb pie. I've learned that one myself. I'm actually curious about that. You're going to have to tell me about that later. Because I'm a I am a rhubarb fiend. Anytime I find something rhubarb, if I go to some kind of festival or whatever, um, I went to, um, this is, I'm keeping it local. Uh, there's a festival out here called Scan Fest. It's a Scandinavian festival where they do a bunch of Scandinavian stuff. And there was a vendor there that had all sorts of jams. And there was a rhubarb jam. Not strawberry rhubarb jam, but just rhubarb jam. Of course, I picked that up immediately because I never find that. Um, so, yeah, I I like the tart shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, the next thing that uh, the BJCP mentions is the flavor. And they go through, um, as with the aroma, the distinctive flavor character associated with a particular fruit should be noticeable, may range in intensity from subtle to aggressive. Again, um, like I said, the organic strawberry, that's an aggressive one. Uh, the balance of the fruit with the underlying beer is vital. Again, you know it, that it, taste and aroma they tie together. You know it's you know you can't you can't separate them. It's the senses that you know you can't really do anything about that. Uh, hot bitterness, flavor, malt flavors, alcohol content, fermentation byproducts such as esters or diacetyl should be appropriate to the base beer. Be harmonious, balanced with the distinctive fruit flavors present. Um, the sugar found in the fruit is usually fully fermented, contributes to the lighter flavors and a drier finish than might be expected for the declared base style. However, residual sweetness is not necessarily a negative characteristic unless it has a raw, unfermented quality. So, there you go with that. Pretty much the, the traits that the um, BGCP, again, Beer Judge Certification Program, 
the the traits that they have in flavor are pretty much the exact same traits they have in aroma. The the two senses are intertwined. You can't really separate that. Um so pretty much like overall balance is what you want when you're making a fruit beer. You don't want to overwhelm in one direction or the other. If you overwhelm too much with the base of what the beer is, you're not going to get enough of that fruit flavor. You overwhelm with too much of what the fruit is, you're not going to, it's not going to taste like a beer. Um, and the brewers should ultimately recognize that some combinations of those base beer styles and the fruits work well together. Others don't. That's why you're going to see a lot of fruit wheat combinations, you know, strawberry wheat, pomegranate wheat, blueberry wheat, blueberry ale, stuff like that. Um, because, oh, fuck, Dennis. Did, did I say One Direction? I so wish I had a sound drop for that, but I don't. Sorry. Oh, now I feel like I'm failing here. Oh, Dutch was here. He would have it. I know that. Um. But, like, uh, it's tougher to make, like, for instance, like a fruit stout. Um, I've had, I think, if I remember correctly, I've had, like, a blueberry stout before. But it's tougher to pull that stuff off. Um, They they tend to stay with the ales, the lagers, the wheat beers, stuff like that. I almost feel bad bringing this one up as an example of a beer due to... Dennis's dislike of it, but I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker that way. Posted in the chat room, uh, the Samuel Smith Organic Strawberry Fruit Beer. Like I said, Dennis wasn't overly thrilled. It's one of my favorites, but, you know, and different tastes. Uh, I have, I find it has a better balance of the tartness and sweetness over the Sam Smith Cherry Variety, which is kind of more sweet but less tart. And the raspberry, which is less sweet, less tart overall. Um, it's sweeter than a lot of other fruit beers, so that might turn some people off. Um, so you might get that if you might get that cough syrup kind of feel to it, and you know, it, again, different tastes. Um, in a weird way, it reminds me of a Belgian lambic because it is that really strong fruit flavor. Uh, let's see. Mm. Okay, another one is... Browser, behave please. Okay, another one is uh, Sam Adams Cherry Wheat. Again, this is a very easily accessible one. If if you're within, you know, any range of a liquor store, you're going to be able to find this. You shouldn't have a problem. Uh, And it's a wheat beer, so... Obviously, they try and keep that balance between the wheat beer and the fruit, but it still has that sweetness and the tartness. Obviously, not in that level of the Samuel Smith. Um, it's a lot more subtle than that. But that cherry, it doesn't overwhelm the weediness of the beer. So if something like the Sam Smith is way too, if it's just too much for you, go for the cherry wheat. Try that. I think that is probably the prime example of a good fruit beer uh, where that balance is completely there. Um, and the, like I said, the best thing about that is you're not going to have a problem finding it. Sam Adams is distributed everywhere. 
if you can't find it, then you're obviously not living anywhere near a liquor store. The next one that I will bring up is one that I am actually drinking. Ooh, fuck, don't close tab. What the fuck are you doing, Chrome? Um, is the uh, Wells Banana Bread Beer. If you are um, on the Alcohol by Volume Facebook group, uh, I know somebody at some point has mentioned it in there. I know I've mentioned it on the show before, too. This is one of those strange beers that a non-beer drinker will see it for sale in a store and look at it with a little bit of curiosity. In a weird way, that is kind of... It's a good entry point for them into that world of the craft beer because it is such a different flavor, but it's not it's not straying too far from that beer flavor. Um... I mean, to, to give you an idea of how well-loved the Wells Banana Bread beer is, even Mitch likes it. Mitch hates everything. I, I'm, Except for Guinness. I know Mitch loves Guinness, but otherwise, Mitch hates everything. To be honest, the only person I've found who didn't like it was my father-in-law. And he's... He's really more subdued when it comes to beers. He, he even came with me to that big, what was it, big beer brew fest uh, a few weeks ago here in Jersey. And I was so happy that he at least found a lager that he liked there from a local brewery. So that's something. But it, honestly, the Wells Banana Bread beer, it seems to be one of those beers that 99% of people can agree on. And if you want to, if you want to get people into different beers, start with that one. Start with the Wells. Um, it, it, from what I've seen, a lot of people can find it. Um, at least I know on the East Coast, people haven't had problems finding it. Mitch is up in was it Minnesota? He hasn't had a problem finding it, so that gives you that. Um, actually over in the UK, obviously, I mean, he hasn't had a problem finding it. It's from the UK, so I would hope he wouldn't have a problem finding it. But that, not even necessarily just a gateway into fruit beers, but just a, a gateway into like craft beers and the different tastes. Go for that. Because if they don't like that, they're probably not going to be adventurous enough to delve into anything else. God damn it, I... I almost, I'm almost thinking I should get a camera element to this show because I'm talking like an Italian with my hands. That's just the fucking beer. This was a weird one I tried, uh, I think it was last summer. Thomas Hooker Watermelon Ale. Uh, let me see if I can get a link to that in the chat room. Initially, you might think watermelon and beer doesn't go together. Okay, I got that in the chat room. Um, me, I'm, I'm one of those people that if I see some strange new variety that's not an IPA, I'm going to go for it. This one I was actually pleasantly surprised. It's a blonde ale, and I, if I remember correctly, it was marketed kind of as a summer beer. It has that seasonal kind of thing to it. It's not too sweet. I was worried it would taste like a Jolly Rancher. I know there's another watermelon beer that I've had that did have that kind of sickly sweet like Jolly Rancher kind of flavor to it. But 
this one, once you open the bottle, thank you, Dennis, for, oh, I like that brewing glass, or the, the beer glass there. Dennis posted a picture in the chat room. Um, it, it had, once you open the bottle, it smells like you just sliced a watermelon, and when you taste it, it tastes like fresh sliced watermelon, along with, you know, the beer. It's, it, it's got that balance to it, but it's not that sickly sweet Jolly Rancher kind of thing that you might expect. So, you could, you could almost say it has a watery taste to it because of the watermelon, but that's how watermelon tastes. The flavor in watermelon's a lot more subtle. But like I said, it, it that one, you want to try a different fruit beer. And if you like watermelon, you'll probably actually like that one. Like I said, it tastes like fresh sliced watermelon. And you're not going to have to worry about dealing with the rind and the seeds and all that bullshit. Um, I know I found it here. I can't remember where they're based out of. Let me see if I can see in the link. Um, they're based out of Connecticut. So it might be more of an East Coasty kind of thing. Um, if you're in the Facebook group and you're on the West Coast, let me know if it makes its way out there. I'm curious how far-reaching uh, Thomas Hooker ales and lagers are. Um, I know where was I think I was uh, I was at a liquor store yesterday after a video shoot, and I saw I think it was like a uh, Hooker. I didn't see a Hooker. Uh, Thomas Hooker uh, chocolate truffle stout or something like that. So I mean, I know I know they got a bunch of different varieties going out there, but uh, like I said, the, the, that watermelon's actually surprisingly good. You wouldn't think it would be, but that's that's one of those summer kind of beers. Um, it's weird. It um, obviously you know a lot of the links I put in the chat and stuff I mention is on uh, beeradvocate.com. That tends to be one of the better sites when it comes to rating beers and things like that and just kind of looking up things. When it comes to pumpkin beers, they tend to put those in their own category just as pumpkin ale. To me, it's just as much of a fruit beer. Yeah, I know, pumpkin's a a gourd or whatever. To me, it's a fruit beer. So I'm including it in this. Um, There's one pumpkin beer that and uh, pumpkin ale that really really stands above the rest you may be able to find it now because the pumpkin beers are still you'll still find them in stores in fact I think when I was at the store on Friday I I want to say I saw one of these I'm not 100% sure but you're you're still going to find uh, pumpkin beers now you're going to still find winter ales lagers all those seasonals now you know, they've aged a little bit, but they're still there. But this usually shows up maybe around October, November, you know, those months. That's when these the pumpkin beers go in full effect in the liquor store. And if you happen to have a store that will do a build a six pack and you like the taste of pumpkin, you can get an entire six pack of pumpkin beer. Hell, you, last time I did that, you can get two six packs of every different pumpkin beer you can find. But the one that I think is above and beyond all of them, I've just posted it in the chat, Southern Tears Pumpkin. And like I said, seasonal to the autumn months, so most of the time when you find it, it's going to be in that October, November, into December months. 
uh, pumpkins, a pumpkin ale versus a pumpkin stout, which are out there. I honestly think it's the best of the bunch. Uh, there's another one that's it's a close second. I'll post that in the chat too. Uh, I think I got that here uh, from Wirebacher. It's uh, their Imperial Pumpkin Ale. Very, very close second. But the Southern Tier, that is the best of the best. Um, I'll, I'll even give a little shout out here. Um, Yahoo's own hockey blogger, Greg Wyshynski, a.k.a. Puck Daddy. He totally agrees. I've heard him praise Pumpkin on more than one occasion. Um, in fact, if you want to promote this show by telling him that you heard about him on alcohol by volume at Wyshynski W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I wonderful Polish last name like mine so I understand the pain and torture he's gone through in his life uh, especially again with a, a W Polish last name it's always fun in the pumpkin beers they usually use like pureed pumpkin pumpkin spices stuff like that um, there, there, there are some that don't balance it right at all, and it's either not enough flavor, too much flavor, things like that. Honestly, I think the best ones are going to remind you of a pumpkin pie. Um, you're going to get that once you open the bottle. You're going to get that smell. You're going to then once you drink it, you're going to get that taste, and it, it's just a good feeling. And you, you see the leaves coming down. See, I'm getting all, I'm going to get all sentimental here. You see the leaves coming down outside, you know, turkey roasting in the oven, you know, crack open a nice little pumpkin ale, and it's just going to feel good. Yeah, okay. But pumpkin, if you like that pumpkin flavor, I know they've gone kind of nuts with pumpkin flavors. Like, you got Starbucks with their pumpkin spice latte. Uh, I know you'll find, like, pumpkin spice marshmallows and shit like that. If you like pumpkin... Go for the pumpkin ales. It's a you know once a year kind of thing. Splurge, do it. Um. Now there are obviously really poor efforts out there. There was one that I kind of got suckered into. That um, I think I actually mentioned it last week when I was talking about big beer versus craft beer. That might have been last week or the week before. Where, you know, they're kind of battling it out. You know, big beers trying to keep craft beer down. Trying to keep them from getting market share and all that kind of shit. Mm. Ah, shit, my beer is empty. Um, but I also mentioned how with uh, certain beers, they're trying to make it look like they're a craft beer when they're manufactured by a big brewery. The big one that I mentioned was Line and Kugel, which I'm still, I'm fucking heartbroken over that because I love Line and Kugel's beers. I'm looking forward to their Orange Shandy coming out this summer, but they're owned by, they're owned and produced and everything by a big brewery. If if I remember correctly, I think it was Miller Coors that uh, that takes care of all their shit. But um, this one that I tried and. Son of a bitch. I don't know if I remember. Okay, th- this one this one um, is distributed by Anheuser-Busch, and it completely looks like a craft beer. I'm posting it in the chat room. It's Wild Blue Blueberry Lager. When I bought it, I 
didn't know that it was distributed by Anheuser-Busch. Got an entire six-pack of it. And I think at the time I was getting it because it had an 8% alcohol content to it. Um, It was probably kind of a rough week at work, possibly just a rough day at work. And I just wanted to get fucked up and was looking at the alcohol percentages. And But Wild Blue, Blueberry Lager, they actually have a couple other different varieties. I want to say there's a uh, raspberry and there's... There's one other. It might be like a blackberry, a cherry, something like that. But anyway, it was really artificial tasting. Like I mentioned before, artificial tasting, you don't want that. It doesn't have that nice natural flavor. I've had the blueberry stuff where it tastes like a... You get that blueberry, like real blueberry muffin flavor out of it. And this one, artificial cough syrup flavor... Just that prime example of big beer trying to masquerade as a craft beer. And, okay, Dennis posted a picture in the chat room. Wow, that's actually a nice head on that glass, too. I'm surprised. Um, and you can, you can kind of... That, that's an interesting thing that's... If you're in the chat right now, um, the picture of the wild blue, it, it's kind of a thing that's indicative of some of the fruit beers. The head on the beer, which... For those that don't know, it's it's the foam on the top of the beer when you pour it into a glass. With the fruit beers, you're going to get a bit of a tint with it, which, you know, kind of a nice thing there. Just, you know, look, it, 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 I don't know. It's a different look to it. I admit I've never had, and I know these exist, I've never had a pineapple brew or a rhubarb brew. And, oh. I would love to try both of those. Two of my all-time favorite fruits. Like I said, I grew up on the rhubarb. I really wish New Jersey didn't have these goddamn stupid commerce laws on their beer. Because then, you know, maybe I could you know, legally implore listeners to find me these beers outside of Jersey. And maybe, I don't know, they could, you know, get my mailing address... By direct messaging me on Twitter. And then they could mail these beers to me via UPS Ground. But of course, that would be illegal. That would be bad. You can't do that. No, no, I'm not going to tell you to do that. That'd be awful. So, and yeah, Punchy, they, they, if, if you look up, um, if you look up on, uh, Wikipedia, uh, New Jersey liquor laws. It's fucking ridiculous the restrictions they have on us. From what I from what I remember, there are actually still dry towns in New Jersey, which I don't understand the principle behind that. But yeah, it, there there's some kind of interstate commerce law. I know I talked about it in my first show. But there's there's interstate commerce laws that uh, basically prohibit the importation of beer and stuff um I, I used to belong to a wine club and i know i got that without an issue but i'm wondering if there was some kind of exemption rule for that but anytime i go to um anytime i go to any kind of um site i'm trying to think of i think like bevmo is one of the sites and stuff like that that sell beer online i go to them 
add stuff to the cart, put in my state. They're like, oh, we can't ship to you. And it's because of those stupid liquor laws. I I don't understand why it is. It's not like they're necessarily trying to promote in-state brewing because I know they're not in that case. I, I want to say it dates back to... It probably harkens to some kind of stupid blue law kind of thing, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, let's see. Punchy says, a site I went to because I want to try Wachusett's Blueberry and an import Italian beer in New York State. You know what? I want to say... I almost want to say I've seen Wachusett's Blueberry in stores here in Jersey before. I'm not 100% sure, but I... It, it sounds really familiar. If, if you know what, Dennis, if you get a chance, if you want to uh, try and find that Wachusett's blueberry on Beer Advocate, um, if I see the bottle and I recognize it, that'll kind of be a dead giveaway there. Um, I, I I have a feeling I I've seen that before. Um, let's see. I don't know if I have any listeners in uh, Portland, Oregon. But they actually hold a fruit beer fest every June. Uh, I think I have a link for their site. And it looks like fun. Uh, But I'm not going to spend the money on a plane ticket to head out to fucking Portland. Um, But they, I mean, they they have a bunch of different beers going. I saw one of the beers listed this year. It's a strawberry rhubarb pie. Of course, you know. It's one that I can't have. Um, it's from uh, Breakside Brewery in Portland. It's a golden ale made with whole strawberry rhubarb pies in the mash. They put in the mash, the kettle, the fermenter, even the crust. That sounds fucking delicious. I could so go for pie right now. But that's a completely different kind of show. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. Ah, f- stupid fucking desk. I need to move to a new place where my desk doesn't rock. Ah, okay. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, when I was kind of going through the stuff for fruit beers... I was thinking that I could not necessarily leave out something that's kind of close to a fruit beer, and it's the ciders, basically um, apple ciders, hard ciders as we know it. And you know what? I gotta open another beer. Um, let me go for this pomegranate wheat, Saranac pomegranate wheat. I'm gonna let me see if I can actually get this to open on the mic. Hold on a second. I don't know if that came across at all, but mm. so well, it's kind of different. Okay, so um, like I said, I, I, cider is—it's obviously not a beer, but you know, it's a close relative to the fruit beer. I actually had one today um, earlier. It was. Uh, Fuck if I can remember the brewery, but it was called Cherry Bomb. It, it was a apple cider, hard cider, with uh, cherry added to it. You're gonna find all sorts of different flavors. I'll get into that. Uh, back before I was 
with my wife and everything, and I was with my ex and everything, like her friends always drank uh, woodchuck cider. That was kind of the the drink that was my gateway into beer over time. Uh, it was pretty much what my body could handle before my I decided my body could handle beer. Um. Oh, also, if anyone makes a Dickens cider joke in the chat, I'm gonna fucking set them on fire. So, uh, Dennis, don't do it. Trust me, please. Okay. Uh, cider is basically it's a fermented alcoholic beverage made from apple juice. So you're taking the apple juice and you're fermenting it. Pretty basic kind of thing. It's most commonly apple juice, but some other varieties you'll see they use peaches, pears, stuff like that. A lot of the time, um, I know Woodchuck has a pear cider, and I don't know if this is the case with them, but a lot of the times when you see pear cider, it's not actual pear cider. It's a beverage called Perry, P-E-R-R-Y. Drink made from fermented pears, and it's actually been common for centuries in England. Uh, Cider can actually be processed even further into apple wine. Thank you, Punchy, for posting that. You know what? I have had that watch you said it's blueberry before. So I I know I've seen it um, in the area. We're talking like um, Livingston, New Jersey, Byram, New Jersey, Monolove, New Jersey, that kind of area. You're... It is it is around this area, so you are able to find it here. Dennis wants to make woodchuck chuck jokes, so uh, you know what? Fuck it, Dennis, go for it, do it. And if uh, if a good one ends up in the chat, I will talk about it on the show. So, um, like I was saying, that the apple cider, the uh, apple ciders, they can be processed in the apple wine if they add the extra sugar, extra fruit. You get more fermentation. You get a stronger alcohol volume. All that stuff. Um, let's see. There's actually a specific type of apple that they use uh, to make the cider. I didn't even know about this before I started reading up on it. Um, it's basically a group called Cider Apples. Surprise, surprise. I know. And that group of apples it's a group of apple cultivars which i had to look this word up it means a plant or grouping of plants selected for desirable characteristics that can be maintained by propagation so basically a group of apples that are good for something yeah um those ones they're grown for cider production there are four main groups of them they were categorized by the UK back in 1903. So obviously the UK has that good history with the cider. There's the sweets, the sharps, the bitter sweets, and the bitter sharps. Now that I think about it, it actually sounds like a barbershop quartet. But the sharps, um, they got that high acidity. They add the bite to it. The bitter sweets, they add bitterness to it because of high tannin levels. The bitter sharps again. They got that high acidity. Um, the ciders they're usually blended using juice from different groups of those cider apples. Uh, depending on kind of what they're going for, they want to get those best results. Some of them, some 
uh, Apple groups. They're good by themselves. Like, it, what is it? Um, Golden Russet, I think it is. Some of the ciders, they'll just use that exclusively for their cider. Others, you know, like I said, they'll use a blend to get their right taste. Um, some of the ones that became famous, depending on what you consider famous, uh, in the U.S., you got your Harrison Cider Apple, Campfield, Hughes, Virginia Crab, and Yates. The first two are actually pseudo-local for me. They were... Uh, they originated in Essex County, New Jersey, uh, before 1776. And the Hughes Virginia Crab, that was grown in the early 1700s by Thomas Jefferson. Uh, we all know Thomas Jefferson because, was it, he, he liked to fuck his slaves, I think it was. Yeah. Um, ciders, again, they're most popular in the UK. I'm curious, I know, I don't think Ashley is around right now. I don't know the the time zone difference right now. So he's probably not listening right now. But I'm curious if he's a cider fan and if he has any suggestions for good ones that I might not know about. Um, Ultimately, the flavors and the appearance and the colors vary. It's pretty much like any other, you know, alcoholic drink. You get your dry, your sweet, your cloudy with, you know, sediment in there. You got your clear ones. You got your light yellow to orange to brown coloration. It, it, It all depends on the apple you're using um the process with making the cider is pretty different from beer because you're not you're not brewing it you're making juice you're making juice and then you're making it kind of boozy so you make that juice you follow the fermentation it's kind of low low temperature fermentation that uh, fruit sugar or if you want to be really specific, the fructose uh, fuels that fermentation. They're ready to go after three months. Some brewers will age them up to three years. All depends on preference. Um, you can actually make uh, like full-on hard liquors from the apples too. You got uh, was it Calvados brandy? You got Applejack. Those end up distilled from the cider. Uh, Applejack, it, um, if, oh, let's see, what do they do? They, um, they freeze distill it, which pretty much means you leave the barrel outside during the winter, at least, you know, in, in the most raw, uncontrolled form. You leave the barrel outside in the winter. The water in the cider freezes. You remove the water. You repeat the process. The concentrated alcohol ends up anywhere between like 30 to 40 percent alcohol by volume so it's like what's that 60 proof to 80 proof something like that um and for anybody that's thinking about doing that with their cider at home apparently home production of applejack is illegal in most countries so you know don't try that necessarily um there are a few national variations on the cider there were a few that i i saw that you know just kind of jumped out at me like in Argentina, in the the middle and lower classes, they'll use it for Christmas and New Year's. Of course, the you know f- fucking elite they will go for the champagne. In Austria, it's made in the southwest part of Lower Austria. Uh, 
most farmers there, they'll actually make their own cider because they have the apple and pear tree orchards, and they'll even serve it at their inns, which are called Most Herdager. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to look that up. Uh. In Belgium, um, Belgian cider maker Stassen S.A., they have a cider with cherry, raspberry, and black currant flavors. In Canada, Quebec cider is actually a traditional beverage. It's even sometimes served as a substitute for wine. Uh, Recently, a new type has emerged called ice cider. It's made from apples with high levels of sugar, and it's caused by the natural frost outside. In Finland, um, they have brands like Golden Cap, Fizz, Up Cider. Almost all the Finland in... uh, I'm sorry. Wow, almost all the Finland? Jesus Christ, Kev. Almost all the cider in Finland, it's produced from fermented apple or pear concentrate instead of fresh juice. Um, So maybe not necessarily as good, but it's got flavors like forest berries, vanilla, rhubarb. I'll try that. In Germany, it's called Apfelwein, which basically means apple wine. It's particularly tart and sour. Uh, In Ireland, it's obviously popular because they're all a bunch of fucking drunks there. Um, uh, Hopefully, I don't have any listeners in Ireland. Um, Production used to actually be officially encouraged. It was supported by the preferential tax treatment they get, and it was often drank on the rocks. In Norway, um, the main area of production, it was uh, Norway's proclaimed fruit garden, and the um, was in the Hardanger region of Norway, the ciders actually don't receive much exposure because of a 1975 law that prohibited the uh, advertising of alcoholic beverages with a alcohol volume greater than 2.5 percent. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, eh, that's kind of ridiculous. Portugal. They actually had their cider production. It was larger than wine production, but that was until the 11th century. Not a big deal. Uh, in Spain, it tends to be pretty traditional. They actually consume 54 liters per person per year. In Sweden, uh, Swedish law actually dictates it can't be called cider without at least 15% juice by volume. Anything less is sold as an apple pear beverage of cider character shares little in common with other country cider it's really sweet berry fruit flavor it's like an alcoholic fruit soda which actually sounds kind of good to me um in the like i said in the uk the uk has a pretty big tradition when it comes to cider they have two main traditions when it comes to it so they like two real um, different variations. There is the West Country tradition. I I know nothing of the UK. Ashley um, probably has a better understanding of some of this. But there, like I said, there's the West Country tradition that uses a higher percentage of true cider apples. And then there's the Eastern Kent and East Anglia tradition that either has a higher percentage of or it's exclusively made from either like the culinary or dessert varieties. 
So obviously you're getting a different flavor out of it. Um, in England, they actually take their cider pretty seriously. They the uh, the campaign for real ale, also known as Camra, it's kind of a shitty name, I think. Uh, C A M R A. They're an independent, voluntary consumer organization based in Saint Albans, England. They put forth the definition of quote real cider. But uh, this group, their goals, they, they want to protect and improve consumer rights, promote quality, choice, and value for money. Uh, they campaign for a greater appreciation of traditional beers, ciders, uh, uh, seek improvements in all licensed premises and throughout the brewing industry. They're basically trying to keep beer, I don't know, pure, if that makes sense. Although, you know, remember the, the German purity law from last week, the Reinheitsgebot, it it seems to be kind of similar to that. But anyway, they, they um, this camera, they define their real cider as a product containing at least 90% fresh apple juice with no added flavors or colorings. Makes sense to me. You don't want to be adding so much artificial shit into it. Um... They prohibit pear or apple concentrates. And if you remember before the break, I mentioned how Finland, most of theirs are pretty much from concentrate. So UK would say, fuck them. Uh, They do allow the addition of sweetener for taste and limited dilution after the fermentation. Camera's definition actually differs from UK law. They only require... 35% 35% apple or pear juice, which also can be from concentrate. So, you know, a little bit of difference there. And then finally, in the U.S., we have the unique position of them being known as hard ciders here. It's basically due to prohibition. Um, in the U.S., the term cider came to mean that like if if you're going picking pumpkins or getting your Christmas tree or whatever it is, you know, picking apples. Um, cider was that unfiltered, unfermented apple juice. Um, and after prohibition, that's what that term meant. So now, anytime you see that, you know, the the woodchuck or whatever, you know, the the ciders you see in your liquor store are the hard ciders. That's why they're called hard ciders because of prohibition. Holy shit. I'm slurring like Dutch. Okay. You're listening to the best of alcohol by volume on more like radio. 